Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, if you overheard someone shout, nice dink in the kitchen, you probably just walked by a pickleball court. Pickleball, one of the fastest growing sports in the U.S., is taking over rec centers, parks, and moving in on tennis clubs across California. We'll look at why pickleball has become an American obsession, and we want to hear from you. What do you love, or maybe don't love, about pickleball? Tell us after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Long ago and far away, a Washington State Congress member and his friend were trying to entertain their bored kids. First, they tried badminton, but they didn't have enough equipment. So being resourceful parents, they invented a game using paddles, a wiffle ball, and a net. And from these humble beginnings, America's latest obsession, pickleball, was born. It's played on a badminton-sized court with a net about three feet high. It can be played singles or doubles, usually doubles. Serves must be underhand. You cannot hit from within seven feet on either side of a net in an area called the kitchen unless you're returning a shot and the first side to score 11 points by a margin of at least two wins. Rachel Simon, author of the forthcoming book Pickleball for All. Did I get that basic description about right? You did. You really got it all there. (laughs) Thanks. Also with us is John Walters, writer for Sports Illustrated, who wrote a recent cover story about pickleball titled Barbarians in the Kitchen. And we can get to that title later in the show. But John Walters, welcome to Forum as well. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So obviously, since I had to check if my description was right, Rachel Simon, I have yet to play pickleball. Uh, I watch a lot of videos to prep for this show. But tell me, what am I missing out on? Why is pickleball so popular? Oh, man, you are missing out, I have to say. (laughs) But I hope you do start playing because it is just such a fun game, first of all. It is genuinely a blast to play. You can just be out there on the court having a great time, regardless of if it's your first time playing or you've played for years. And it's also such a hugely inclusive and accept- an ex- 
and um, accepting game where anyone of all ages, genders, backgrounds, athletic abilities can play and play together often. It's really just a good time. Yeah. John Walters, you had this line where you say pickle buzz is inescapable. It's proselytizers as zealous as crypto crusaders. Tell us why. What will you add to what Rachel has to say about its allure? Uh, well, I agree with what Rachel said. And the thing is, when you when you meet somebody who plays pickleball daily and you meet them where I live in Arizona, they are missionaries like they just don't play. They need you to play. They need you to love it as much as they do. Um <laughs> It's very funny. And so, you know, I, I do play, but I don't play with that zeal of never missing a day. But there there's something about maybe it's just the demographic who plays or maybe it's the geographic location where I'm at. But it's not enough to just play pickleball. It's you need to be an ambassador uh, of the sport. What facilitates the social aspect of it, do you think, uh, John? Uh, well, the court is smaller than tennis. So you are within an intimate area where you actually can talk to the other three players you're playing with. And as you said, it's more common as a doubles game than as a singles game. So you have a, you already have a foursome. Um, you don't have to be as skilled as if you're playing golf or even tennis. So, uh, again, for adults who don't like to have to learn too many new things, especially athletically, uh, you can you you don't have to be a great athlete to at least learn how to play pickleball and to pick it up. And so between those things, the intimacy, the social aspect, the uh, low barrier of entry from an athletic standpoint, all of those things contribute to making it fun and also making it inclusive, as Rachel said. And Rachel, you said the pandemic really propelled its popularity. Why? How? The pandemic, when just especially at the beginning stages, when everyone is quarantining at, quarantining at home, running out of ideas, running out of things to do, especially if they're with families or people of all ages, they really just needed a new activity that can something they could all do together that was safe to do. And pickleball just completely fit the bill. I mean, I know this firsthand. That's how I started playing, along with my husband and his parents. We just played in the driveway when we were all quarantining together because. It was easy to set up. It was inexpensive. We could order the equipment online. And it was just a really fun way to get out of the house and enjoy a new activity together. And I think it just, a lot of people realized that and it just grew massively from there. And you'd played before as a kid, right? In gym class? I did. Yeah. You know, very casually in gym class, but yes. <laughs> and then John, you also said something along the lines of how, like, you mentioned the demographics, but how it used to be associated with people who were basically seniors uh, on their second spouses. <laughs> so how have the demographics changed, do you think? Uh, I, I've noticed just like I'm in my 50s. It was mostly people 50 and above uh, of retirement age, or at least who had some uh, discretionary time, but now I'm watching teenagers play because there are more courts. Uh, I moved from New York City to Arizona. In New York City, there are now courts right off Houston Street uh, in the West Village where people are playing. Those used to be basketball courts outdoors that were often Ooh. neglected. Um, so as you as you increase places that have courts, you're going to increase uh, people who play. Not it's not just the gated communities or the country clubs anymore. It's public courts. Um, which is making it more accessible to younger people. And as, as Rachel said, like you can be 16 and playing someone who's 75. And if the 75 year old has been playing pickleball for a while, they have an advantage. Um, so that's what makes it interesting is, is you don't 
only have to be able to play with people your own age. You can play either sex, any age. Well, Devin writes, the Sonoma County pickleball scene is blowing up. We have more than 40 members, which range from the ages of 21 to 75. We play three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Howarth Park and have become like a family. We play at Sunrise Park and Rohnert Park, where over 75 plus people show up and play. One of our members is a pickleball rapper named Pickleball Wall, who is just mentioned in the New Yorker magazine article, Can Pickleball Save America? Wow. Listeners, have you played or picked up pickleball? (laughs) Why do you think it's getting so popular? What makes the sport fun for you? You can tell us by calling 866-733-6786, emailing your comments or questions about pickleball to forum at kqed.org or posting them on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Rachel, what's the story behind the name pickleball? That is a great question that really depends on who you ask. There are actually two different stories that are kind of in competition with each other. Some people believe that it was based on the the idea of pickle boats that are used in rowing because those are the boats that kind of have groups of uh, members who are kind of random, whoever's just available and kind of like how pickleball is a conglomeration of a lot of different other sports. But other people believe it was actually named after the dog of one of the founders, Pickles. And there's a lot of debate over it in the pickleball community. But um, in my book, Pickleball for All, I talked to a historian who really says that after interviewing some of the founders, she truly believes that it was based on on the dog. (laughs) Well, part of what makes the sport, I think, seem charming and quaint are the terms like pickleball is a a very sort of casual, silly, fun name with a potentially funny history, but it also has words like dink and kitchen. Can you talk a little bit about some of the the words that we'd need to know to get around a pickleball court and what you know about where those words come from? Sure. So I think you named two of the most, um, the most common ones right there, the ones you really need to know. Dinks are just kind of balls that shots that arc over the net and lands in that kitchen. And speaking of the kitchen, that is that seven foot non-volley zone on either side of the net that's there to prevent spiking basically. And although not many people really are sure where the name Dink comes from, the kitchen also is a little bit of a mystery, but people do theorize that the name might've come from shuffleboard because their area kind of behind the main scoring zones in shuffleboard that if you land in costs you points is called the kitchen. So it has a similar concept behind it. Well, Michael tweets, I'd never heard about pickleball until it was mentioned on the Goldbergs sitcom. Did that show spark interest in the game? Anyone have any theories? I'm not familiar with the Goldbergs sitcom, I think. I was going to say, I think more people know pickleball than the Goldbergs at this stage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And, when and, when we say popular, John, like how popular? What are the uh, numbers on this? It's growing exponentially since I'd say 2018 and, and the acceleration via the pandemic. I mean, we're at about 5 million Americans who play now where it was probably half that five years ago. Um, so when I, when I finished the story, I think it was at 4.9 million active players is what was theorized. The one small correction I'd make on your introduction, I believe, and Rachel, feel free to correct me. With the kitchen, you said you can only enter it to return a shot. You can only enter it, as I understand, to return a shot that has already bounced in the kitchen first. Um, You can't return any shot. So if the ball on a return shot bounces in the kitchen, then you physically can enter the kitchen. But you cannot enter the kitchen unless that's the case. Is that right, Rachel? I think that's right. I think you got it right on the money there. 
Well, you know what? After the break, we're going to bring in a professional pickleball player to uh, confirm one way or the other. (laughs) Um, But uh, sorry, go ahead. The hardest thing about pickleball, honestly, is learning how to keep score in doubles. Uh, If you play enough, that's the part where you see people look over at you to see if they're getting it correct. It's a little bit different than playing tennis uh, or anything else, the way they keep score. Well, um, Ted writes, anyone who has been in McLaren Park in San Francisco in recent years is now used to hearing the sounds of pickleballs hitting concrete. You can hear it while hiking far from the court. I actually find it pleasant. I think the fact that Ted had to say that makes me wonder if there are people out there who don't find the pickleball sound so pleasant, Rachel Simon. (laughs) I think that's so interesting and so funny to me because when I was reporting my book, that really never came up as an issue. You know, people were talking about the growth in only positive terms and all of that. But I think in more recent months, as it's just grown and grown and grown and more apartment complexes and retirement facilities and so on are adding pickleball courts or transforming tennis courts into pickleball. It's really, you know, obviously gotten to a point where people are not necessarily loving the sound of that, but I do think that people will adjust to that very quickly and, you know, get used to it and it won't be a a major issue in the community. Have you heard that John as well, that the pop 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 is starting to, yeah. I've heard it, but I noticed when you're playing, you never seem to notice it. And I also, (laughs) I'll still take that over the sound of a leaf blower any day of the week. Uh, it's just, as Rachel said, it's something different. And people who don't play pickleball may not like that it's different, but it's no, I don't, I, I never found it. As you said, when I play, no one seems to mind the sound. I did watch a video that said that the decibel is actually lower than tennis in terms of the pop-pop, but it's a different sound and you hit the ball more often and it's more social. So there's more talking, which might contribute to the perception that it's a very loud game. That loud game we're talking about is pickleball. We'll talk, we're talking about it with Rachel Simon, who's the author of the forthcoming book, Pickleball for All, Everything But the Kitchen Sink. The book comes out on August 30th. I'm also joined by John Walters, writer for Sports Illustrated, wrote a recent cover story about pickleball titled Barbarians in the Kitchen, also an adjunct professor of sports journalism at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communications in Phoenix. We'll have more with them and with you about pickleball after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Yeah, what you know about that pickleball, pickleball? Yeah, it's all about that pickleball, pickleball. Do you want to serve what side you gonna call? I'm a third shot, drop it on all y'all. Hey, what you know about that pickleball, pickleball? 
If you haven't guessed, uh, we're talking about pickleball, and our engineer Danny Bringer just grabbed that song after listener Devin mentioned a pickleball rapper. Uh, so that's pickleball. Wall. <laughs> we're also talking with John Walters, a writer for Sports Illustrated and an adjunct professor of sports journalism at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communications in Phoenix. Rachel Simon is with us, who's written a forthcoming book called Pickleball for All, also written about pickleball for the New York Times. I'm Mina Kim. You are listening to Forum, and I want to bring into the conversation now Jordan Briones, a professional pickleball player and instructor who has a popular pickleball YouTube channel at Briones Pickleball. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So talk a little bit about how you got into it. Yeah, okay. So um, I am a I am a tennis player. So I played a lot of tennis um, in my in my college years and stuff like that. Um, but my dad actually was at the gym one day and got invited by one of his friends to to come play this sport called pickleball. And then he came home, and you know I was still. I was still at home at the time and he said, you know, do you want to try this? So the first thing we did is like, okay, what is this? So we looked it up on YouTube, watched a couple things. And this was about seven, eight years ago now. And it's the game has changed a lot since then, but we looked it up and said, Oh, that looks like a really small tennis court. We could have fun. And that's how, uh, and then we went that Saturday to try it out. When you say the game has changed a lot, what do you mean? Um, well, just, like everyone said the growth ex exponentially uh. um and well not just that but it's the popularity but the actual game as well i mean if you actually look at some championship matches from eight years ago the game has definitely gotten faster and some strategies have have changed um just with you know tennis players and racquetball players just with more talent coming into the sport the game has definitely changed well how did you make the leap to become a professional um, so that's a good story that kind of, I don't think I never, I really never thought about it. So when, when we first started on that one Saturday, about seven years ago now, um, you know, I was still working a full-time job then and I, we just never stopped playing. So every <laughs> weekend that I had, I think my dad and I literally from the very first time we tried it, we played maybe, you know, 18 months and didn't miss a, uh, a single weekend on playing. So that evolved to, you know, finding out about local tournaments and then national tournaments and things like that. And me being, and my dad as well, being the competitive players that we are with anything, I just started to play tournaments and then I got sponsored. And then that kind of just evolved to, to, you know, kind of taking it more seriously over time. So are you able to live just on pickleball then, like make a living off of it and meet your needs? Yeah, so I'm in a, you know, interesting situation. A lot of people on the, we could call it the professional pickleball tour, uh, they're doing that. Um, it's it's really tough because the money is still not at a point where a lot of people could, you know, make it a full-time job. But, you know, I'm doing it in a way where I, I'm doing a lot of coaching. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of training. Um, I train pickleball, you know, players all over all different levels. And I have, you know, my online stuff, like the YouTube channel that you mentioned. Yeah. So that's, that's what I do full time. And what job did you leave to do this full time? So I actually um, was a full time UPS driver. 
So I was working 60 hours a week. And like I said, on the weekends, I was like training and um, trying to do really well at these uh, professional open tournaments and things like that. And actually just last year, it's almost been a year. I, I left that job. I retired, you can say, and I took pickleball full time. So it's still been under a year for me taking pickleball full time. Wow. Jordan Brion is a professional pickleball player. And you, our listeners, are also with us. The number 866-733-6786. Let me go to caller Ken in Oakland. Hi, Ken. Hello there. Um, Hi. I'm a elder pickleball player. I shouldn't say elder, older. Um, <laughs> I wanted to cover four topics really quickly. One quick one. I won't go into much detail to correct the kitchen rule. Oh, you right. can stand in the kitchen anytime you want. You just can't hit the ball on the fly. You must let it bounce. So if someone is returning this, uh, the ball to you and you're standing there, you basically instantly lose the point because you can't let it bounce because it'll hit you. So that's one little correction. Ah. There is no limit on standing in the kitchen. And just let me just the ball in the air when you're in the kitchen. Let me just double check with Jordan Brunus. Is that right, Jordan? Yep. All right. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, Ken. That was, a, that was a really good explanation there. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. All right, Ken, go ahead. Did you have something else you yeah. wanted to say? Yo, ab- absolutely. I helped to get the first courts in Oakland started, and we did that by fundraising. The city wasn't going to pay for it, but we did Bushrod Park and got dual striping. So it's the courts are used for tennis and pickleball. And the important thing about that mm. is one tennis court can be used to create four pickleball courts. So instead of two or possibly four tennis players, you can have 16 pickleball players on those four pickleball courts. So I think it's really important that the municipalities either convert courts to dual use or create new ones. Some places just don't have a lot of room to do that. So I think that's uh, an important point that a lot more people can use the courts. And since it's almost always doubles, almost always, uh, the play is much more social and much more fun. It's great to have more courts. So I actually don't want a lot more players until there are more courts available. Because we have at Bushrod, for example, 16 people playing and 16 to 20 people waiting when we do open rotational play where people rotate in. Wow. Well, Ken, thanks for sharing what you would like to see and your experience with pickleball. John, I got to ask you, is there a bit of a beef with tennis and between tennis and pickleball? Uh, In the beginning, there was more of a beef. I think acceptance is slowly coming to the tennis world. Uh, You mentioned earlier about how it's coming to Southern California or coming to California. Uh, after my story, I spoke to Sean Bollettieri, who is a stepson of Nick Bollettieri, the patriarch of tennis instruction. Sean runs the Newport Beach uh, Tennis Club in Newport Beach, California, and he has brought in a bunch of pickleball courts. He went from saying, I don't ever want to hear the word pickleball to the staff to now let's put in these courts. I'm sure Jordan can enlighten you. There are now pickleball tournaments that are taking place at his club. Um, and I think that's emblematic of what is taking place. Uh, it's, it's, but the difference here, and it's important, is if you make the snowboard to skier comparison, <laughs> snowboarders and skiers have learned to share the mountain. In pickleball and tennis, that pickleball court, like your caller said, is literally taking a tennis court away. There's mm-hmm. a zero-sum aspect to it here that has rankled some tennis players. 
I see. Well, Jordan, you say you play in a lot of tournaments, and I've also seen a lot of people saying that pickleball tournaments feel really different from tennis tournaments. Do you think that's true? Like, how is the vibe different at a pickleball tournament? Yeah, so I've definitely played both. And just um, just to speak of the beef, there is a lot of beef because <laughs> between tennis players and pickleball players, naturally, because a lot of courts are getting taken away. But the thing is, there's a lot of more pickleball players on the courts that are advocating for those kinds of things. But um, yeah, I was a tennis player myself. Um, the big difference I would say between pickleball and tennis tournaments is these tournaments are usually double elimination. So what happens is you have, you know, you play within your skill group, within your age, and then you play until you lose twice. But um, so everyone gets a second chance kind of at a mm. tournament. So you're not, you don't just lose and come out. So that over time with all the other divisions, you know, when you talk to a pickleball player, it's an all day thing. I mean, sometimes we're talking about seven in the morning to 10 at night. If you're still in it, like you can be waiting hours between matches and you have to warm up again. So it's, it's a, it's a grind for, for any level, I would say for sure. But fair to say, Rachel, that probably a little less, I heard one person describe tennis tournaments as snobby, so a little less snobby or stuffy or exclusive. Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of the appeal of these tournaments is that the pro players will mingle with the fans, with the crowds, with amateur players. And there's also just a lot more to do at them. Like a lot of these tournaments, especially in the last year or two, as they've grown bigger and gotten more sponsors, you know, and more money flowing in, they've had, you know, so many food and drink vendors, they've had DJs, they have merch sellers, and people also go to the tournaments to enjoy being in the area overall. They might, you know, spend the day at the tournament and then they go out and enjoy, you know, the community, go out to dinners with other players, mingle, take lessons. So it really becomes more of a vacation than anything else. <laughs> well, let me go to caller Max in Santa Rosa. Hi, Max. Hi there. Um, how are you today? I love I'm well. you're talking about pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. tell us why. Yeah, you know, so um, my name is Max Heller and uh, I actually do, I am the pickleball rapper. So, you Wait, know, the you one just we just played? played? Song. <laughs> yeah, that was your that's song. Slice and dice it like karate or a piece of pie. I'ma take you down low so you plop it up high. Then that was that was our engineer Danny playing it for you there. Yeah, what do you want to say about pickleball that it inspires you to rap about it? You know, I just wanted to say uh, I just really wanted to shout out to uh, everyone in Sonoma County and just. California and everyone involved in pickleball. I feel like it's changed my life. I uh, actually work for a sponsor of the Professional Pickleball Association. Um, they're actually uh, one of the CBD suppliers, Medisaleaf. And um, yeah, I had been playing for about a year and a half now, and I just took it upon myself to get good and grow the community here. I play a lot at Howard Park. And uh, I'm just so enthused to be here um, talking about it. I love it. And I grew up kind of being creative with music. And I was like, you know what? There needs to be some pickleball songs. I want to make pickleball sound really cool because it is cool. And let's make it hit for these younger, this younger generation, too. I love the, uh, the full range of the demographics and the age. It's really it's changed my life, um, and I just uh, I'm so happy to be on air with you. Well, thank you for calling in. It sounds like a lot of a lot of great things are coming together with this. <laughs> 
Max in Santa Rosa, Pickleball Wall. Let me go to caller Pat next. Hey, Pat. Hey, how's it going? Well, what do you want to say? Uh, well, I just wanted to, I mean, this is assuming that there's some sort of pickleball steering committee or like, you know, group that like leads the whole sport. But I was just wondering on like about how the sport is touring, trying to ensure like diversity and, you know, inclusion in the sport. Because obviously this is like my personal experience and bias this is, isn't true all around. But the only people I've really seen playing pickleball are like tend to be white and wealthier. So I was just wondering sort of what's, you know, going on there to sort of, you know, make the sport more diverse. Yeah. You know, let me go to you, John, on that, because as it does get more popular, more money gets put into it as it's trying to professionalize, a lot of times what a side effect can be is it loses its ability to ensure equity and diversity. Well, uh, first of all, I would, I can't wait to read Rachel's book because it's titled is pickleball for all, which is wonderful. Um, your, your, your caller might want to read the story because there is no steering committee. That's the whole problem with pickleball right now. There are different groups vying for dominance. Uh, that's the whole gist of that story that was written. Right. Um, but um, to his point, yes, it started out predominantly white, predominantly affluent, predominantly older. Uh, I, I think my two cents is they should be trying to promote it at a grassroots level at a youth level, um, you see softball, baseball fields, even basketball courts that are going relatively unused. And these, there should be pickleball space there for kids to be playing. I think that's the best thing you can be doing. Too many of the people in leadership positions in pickleball, in my opinion, are, are trying, are working hard to make it an Olympic sport. And mm. that's not that it's a bad goal, but I, I think the energy should be focused on making it more diverse and also more youth oriented, get kids out of the house, off their phones, playing pickleball. You know, speaking of equity, Rachel, if you want to add anything to that comment that Pat is making and questions about trying to ensure equity and diversity, but it's also reminding me of how you talked about how it's harder to cheat in pickleball. Like there, it, it, inspires people uh, to practice being a good sport on the court. Can you talk a little bit about why that is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just quickly to that first point about diversity in the sport and inclusion, um, I completely agree with everything John was saying there. I think that the the leading organizations, even though it is obviously a little bit messy right now, are working overall to ensure that it's being played in more schools, that more children have access to it. They're setting up kind of youth programs all over the country and more clubs and opportunities for people of all backgrounds to get involved, which I think will really help on that front. And then in terms of, as you said, you know, just kind of not being able to cheat in that kind of attitude that pickleball players share, that is something that makes it so unique and such a special sport that kind of referred to as the golden rule in pickleball that if it's a community that everyone is truly nice to each other and welcoming and kind and that sounds you know kind of hard to believe especially as the sport grows bigger but it's true that it's incredibly rare for players not to shake hands and introduce you know competitors and introduce each other and even just in the game itself it's no no one point matters more than another either partner can make calls when they're playing doubles it's really a game that prioritizes fairness and courtesy and i guess it's harder to cheat if you're so close to each other and can see where a ball lands huh john that too <laughs> hey rachel yeah um, I don't. I just don't think people wrap their egos up 
uh, most of us in how well they did in pickleball as opposed to, let's say, in tennis or even golf. Uh, and plus, there's another game that's going to start in 10 minutes. So if you lose this game, who cares? Well, Judith writes, it seems to me the book subtitle should be everything but the kitchen dink. <laughs> Rachel, was that under consideration? Oh, I wish. That is such a good title. <laughs> I love that. Judith, thank you. Marla writes, I'm one of the many people who started playing pickleball during the pandemic, and I was immediately hooked as a testament to just how much fun it is. I broke my wrist while playing pickleball last year. Oh, But after surgery and five months of PT, I returned to the court, although maybe with a little less gusto. Just so much fun. Another person writes, I go on regular evening walks through a local park where one of the tennis courts has been converted to multiple pickleball courts. It seems like there's always a game going on and the players are having a great time. One evening I had to comment from outside the fence to a foursome that they sure seem to be having a good time. They responded enthusiastically that they were and invited me to join them. I haven't taken the plunge yet, but I do feel like I want to tap into that joy that seems to overflow from the local pickleball courts. And Hans writes, we're getting a lot of comments. I started playing about six years ago when the only court was at the old Golden Gate Park tennis facility using portable nets and spray painted lines on one of the underused tennis courts. We expanded to some decrepit and underused courts in the back part and grew to seven courts before the whole facility was shut down for the reconstruction project that became the new Goldman Tennis Center. Our community was given six dual line tennis court space at the Presidio Wall Playground and has now grown to weekend play with over 100 players of all ages on 12 dual lined courts. Wow. We continue to see more players every week and hope Rec and Park will recognize the demand and provide more facilities. You guessed it. We're talking about pickleball. And uh, if you have questions about the sport, uh, if you want to share with us if you've picked it up, why and what you like about it. If not, why not? Maybe you're even a detractor. Tell us uh, what you think of the popularity of pickleball by calling 866-733-6786, posting your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum by emailing forum at kqed.org. More after the break. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about how pickleball is gaining popularity 
one dink at a time with John Walters, a writer for Sports Illustrated, who wrote a recent cover story about pickleball titled Barbarians in the Kitchen. I'm also joined by Rachel Simon, author of the forthcoming book Pickleball for All, Everything But the Kitchen Sink. And Jordan Briones, a professional pickleball player and instructor who has a popular pickleball YouTube channel at Briones Pickleball. And you, our listeners, are with us, joining the conversation, telling us if you've played or what makes the sport fun for you. Uh, or how you're taking your questions about how to get involved, maybe questions about how to play and strategy. You can email forum at kqed.org, post your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or call and let me go to caller Katrina in Menlo Park. Hi, Katrina. Hi there. Hi, go ahead. So I just I just moved to Menlo Park after a brain tumor surgery that was on my balance nerve, oh. and I'd never really regained 100% of my balance because I'm a busy mom of three. But then I heard about pickleball. And so I walked up to my local courts and I was just as shy as a kindergartner on my first day. And it was so easy. I was immediately invited into play and I have been addicted ever since. My balance fully returned. I now know a ton of people in my community and I couldn't be happier. I just, I can't say enough good things about this sport. Wow, Katrina, I'm so glad that I had such a positive effect. Thanks for, for sharing that. Eric writes, are there common pickleball injuries? Is protective equipment recommended? Uh, Jordan, let me go to you for that. Pickleball injuries, what do you look out for? And do you recommend protective equipment? Yeah, so I obviously coach a lot of different players, um, different ages and sizes and every everything. So I would say the biggest injury, one of the biggest ones is falling backwards um, and kind of running after balls um, that we call it a lob where it goes over people's head. And I know, you know, I can't show you visually, but the best thing you can do when a ball goes over your head is turn and drop your dominant um, foot back and get into more of a sideways um, stance perpendicular from the net instead of shuffling back. Uh, That's what most players do. Um, And, and another injury, um, you know, it's it's a fast game and, you know, a lot of people have good control or some players may not, but a lot of people wear eye protection. And I think that's really important, especially um, if, you know, you're getting into some really, really uh, fast exchanges at the net. Well, Janet tweets, I played pickleball in high school over 25 years ago and loved it. It's amazing to me that it's so popular now after all these years. I recently played it with my 82-year-old father, and my little boys love it as well. But man, do those balls hurt when they slam into your fingers. Archie writes, I'm the gym teacher, varsity coach, and athletic director for a local Title I public charter high school in East Oakland, Oakland Unity High. I introduced pickleball to my PE students a few years ago. They begrudgingly participated, and now they can't get enough of it. I had to create another court. Even our staff gets in on the action. Teachers versus students is a game changer. Ken writes, it is important to consider neighboring houses and the placement of new pickleball courts. Berkeley had a real problem when it converted some tennis courts at Cedar Rose Park to pickleball, and the houses are immediately adjacent to the court. Even with some mitigation efforts, it's still a problem. I'm a player, and the constant plink of a ball to neighbors can be an irritant. Rachel, have there been some solutions to this sound? Like in terms of, I've seen people say they put up like, uh, I don't know, fabric to dampen the sound on the sides of courts, but then some people have felt like that ruins their views and so on. But I don't know if there's a solution, different balls, maybe? That's a good question. I mean, I've heard those kind of anecdotal stories as well of these kind of makeshift solutions people are coming up with. But I do think at, at this point, at least, it's kind of too new a problem for there to have been a 
real permanent solution here. I think people are just going to kind of keep figuring out what works for them. And hopefully people, as I said earlier, you know, will just adjust to that sound in time. You know, John, I want to ask you a little bit more about what you alluded to before the break, which is you know, that it's trying to professionalize. There isn't a steering committee. It's created a whole bunch of issues. Could you just map out for us a little bit just the structure of the leagues that are developing, how they interact, just to kind of get a sense of there just seems to be so many right now popping up sure. everywhere. I'll try to simplify it. Mostly it's usually two competing organizations. So there are two pro tours, as Jordan and Rachel know well, um, that are both vying for dominance right now among players such as Jordan. But there also is an international governing body of pickleball. The problem is that initial international governing body, which was known as the International Federation of Pickleball, was spawned out of USA Pickleball. So before there was an international body, there was a national American body, USA Pickleball, which still exists and is well run and is very stable. Um, more than 90% of the players in the world are American. Uh, the International Federation was created in hopes of making pickleball an Olympic sport. Uh, by having national governing bodies all over the world, it was a faster way to get pickleball to becoming recognized by the IOC. Um, the problem is that initial group was very American-centric, and now these people in governing bodies in Canada, England, Australia, and a few other countries feel left out. Um, a man named Seymour Rifkin, who was a revolutionary figure in this whole story, decided to create his own international federation. And so those two federations have basically been at war over the last three or four years. Mm. Do you worry that pickleball is in danger of getting corrupted by this battle or by by power, greed? I don't know. The kinds of things well, that just, often it's, infect It's sports? just yeah. simply human nature. There is a lot of people playing um, and it's growing so fast and people see dollar signs. So as I'm sure Jordan can tell you, most of the money that you can make on pickleball is off sponsorships. There are over 300 companies making pickleball paddles right now. Wow. Um, so they're all trying to become the dominant manufacturer. And if they can sign up a number one player, number three player on the tour, uh, a few people who have name recognition like Ben Johns, that's where the money is in pickleball right now. If you're a player is to get an endorsement deal. Um, again, it's, it's sort of, in the story I made, the, the allusion to the a movie, There Will Be Blood, there's some land and somebody saw that there's oil underneath it. And that guy is going to take advantage of it. Well, you've got 5 million people playing pickleball. They've got, they need paddles, they need balls, they need places to play. Other entrepreneurial figures are seeing places to make money. For instance, uh, Jordan, are you a certified pickleball instructor? Jordan? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm certified by the uh, IPTPA. Right. So Jordan would be able to tell you that he has to pay an annual fee to be certified and he needed to take instruction courses. There is a, a, a single company, basically, that handles all of that. Um, so, again, it's, it's, it's not so much I don't, I don't want to say corrupted, but people are seeing opportunities to make money and some of them are in direct competition with one another. And that's where things start to get a little messy. Has being involved at this level, Jordan, um, making a living off of it, 
joining leagues, paying fees, has it taken away any of the magic of it for you? The magic that both Rachel and John were describing at the beginning of the show that makes pickleball for all. Yeah. Um, I don't think so for me. Um, I think the average player coming in and, and just to note um, what he was saying, it is true. There's a lot of money coming in sports growing. And of course there's companies out there that are, are trying to capitalize on that. And that's, that's what you're going to see with any, anything, but you know what the, everyone coming in playing the sport and what makes the sport so great. It's just the fun that everyone has. And, and from my perspective, cause I, yeah, I coach and I I'm earn a living from it, but I enjoy um, helping people and, and everyone wants to get better. Um, so yeah. So that's kind of, that's my take. Well, let me go to Lisa in San Jose. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for calling. Uh, hi. So I'm a middle school PE teacher um, down here in San Jose, but I teach the youngest kids. I teach the sixth graders at my middle school. And while our middle school has pickleball courts, um, for the youngest kids who most of them haven't really held a paddle before, that was a little intimidating and difficult for them. So I modified the game and took it over to our four square courts and drew a whole bunch more four square courts. And we use the pickleball and we use the paddles and we play modified four square. We do a lot of drills with the paddles and the ball control so that by the time that they are in seventh and eighth grade and playing on the big pickle square courts or pickleball courts, they, they have a much better idea of, uh, of what it takes to control that ball and, and that paddle. And they just really, really enjoy it in the smaller format. So I'm thrilled. I oh, enjoy wow. the sport myself on a full-size sport. But, yeah, to modify it for the younger kids, um, it's easy. Most schools have four-square courts. You can draw them with, with uh, chalk as well. And uh, one set of paddles for the entire class, you can keep all of the kids busy all the time. It's great. Well, thanks for sharing that innovation. This listener along similar lines, pickleball is a great sport for equitable access, particularly if you have municipal courts. It's fun, easy to learn, to play, and the barrier to entry is very low. All you need is a paddle that can be as cheap as $20. Let me go to Chip in Berkeley. Hi, Chip. Hey, how are you doing? Well. Good, good. I just wanted to talk about the transformative nature of pickleball. I'm a born and bred tennis player. And I would poo-poo any other racket sport along the way. But pickleball has completely taken me and my family by storm. Um, I've seen it internationally. We spend a lot of time in a remote fishing village in Mexico on the Baja Peninsula. And last time we were there, we set up a couple of courts. And we had over 18 kids out there with paddles going absolutely nuts about the sports, having a ball. And uh, I just think it is an amazingly magical opportunity for people to get outside, get off of their phones, and uh, apply themselves in a both emotionally positive way and a physical way. And uh, just to put a little barb in this deal, I live in Berkeley, California, and we've been striving for courts in Albany for over three years now, and it's tough to see the wheels of the system grind to a halt uh, when we're trying to get something positive done in the community. But uh, I just love the game and we'll play it for life. Well, Chip, thanks for, for sharing your how much you love it. And Rachel Simon, I didn't get a chance to ask you about where you think this sport will land, given the discussion that we've been having about it 
professionalizing and so on, or, or what you think will never go away about the game? You know, what is the magic that you think will never go away? Just curious about where you think it's headed. I really think that it's just going to keep growing and growing. Honestly, I don't think it's a fad. I don't think it's something that the, the mess that's currently happening with a lot of those lead organizations will prevent it. I don't think it'll prevent it from continuing to grow. I think that'll kind of work itself out in time. It's still, even though it's not a young sport, it's obviously been around for decades. It still feels like a young sport in some ways as it's obviously grown in popularity so much recently that I think it's natural that it's going to kind of have these kinks to work out. But I really see it continuing to grow to possibly eventually match, if not even overtake tennis. And I'm not talking in the next, you know, six months or a year, but years down the line, I think that the number of players will continue to grow and just the accessibility of the sport and the low barriers of entry, the low cost, all of that is just going to make it a sport that really everyone picks up or at least knows someone who's picking it up. We're talking with writer Rachel Simon, journalist John Walters, and professional pickleball player Jordan Briones about the popularity of pickleball. And you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This sister wants to know, there are lots of comments about how tennis can make you a good pickleball player, but does pickleball help with your tennis game? Jordan, let me go to you for that. Has pickleball helped with your tennis game? Can it? Uh, you know what, personally, that's a funny question because I kind of stopped playing tennis entirely after pickleball. <laughs> so I'll have to, I'll have to go back out on tennis court, but you know what I would say, I do have clients that play both and I would say it complements each other. Um, you know, if you play more, one more than the other, then you're obviously going to be better at that. But one thing, because pickleball is so close in proximity. I think, you know, the volleys and the fast reaction time, that's one thing that can help with the, with the tennis player is fast reactions. Well, Joe writes, can someone explain why the game seems to consist of interminable rallies of very soft shots hit directly to the other side? Why don't they just try to make things difficult for the other players? The only thing worse than people posting incredibly boring videos of their pickleball matches <laughs> is the same folks posting their Wordle results. Uh, Rachel, do you have any thoughts on these interminable rallies that Joe is talking about of very soft shots hit directly to the other side? I do love that world comparison, although I'm <laughs> fully guilty of that. <laughs> I think that the soft shots, you know, it's a huge part of the game. And a lot, it's a reason that a lot of people underestimate pickleball because they look at those dinks that are going back and forth and it looks so easy. It looks boring. It looks slow. But then you realize that's key to the game. The people who are able to maintain those and then all of a sudden surprise, which with the much harder shot, a more complicated shot are the ones that end up dominating the game. And it's really so crucial to pick up all the practice that kind of slower game in order to master your skills and really be able to, to dominate that sport. Well, let me go to Brad in Los Altos. Hi, Brad. Hey, how are you doing? Great. Go ahead. My, my observation is comparing tennis and pickleball. And I think I, I got a lot of facts on it, but in two hours of playing tennis, it's much more active uh, while you're playing tennis. You're probably not the, uh, the opposite. When you're playing tennis, about 30% of the time, so if you play for two hours, about 30% of the time is actually playing. In pickleball, the active playing time is around 90% of the time. And I think the reasons for this is the smaller court is obviously part of it so that the ball, even when it goes out, doesn't go very far from you. Uh, it's a single serve type of game where you serve once, and immediately, uh, if you make it, which is most of the time, because it's kind of a defensive serve as opposed to tennis, which is an offensive serve. And then um, it's not uncommon to have 20 hits per play mm. when you're playing. And so 
uh, it, it just goes, goes, goes. Whereas in tennis, you might hit three to, three to ten times, and then the ball goes out, and then you have to go chase the ball and start again. Um, so I, and it's a faster game than tennis. And you talked a lot about the, the fast rallies that take place. So there's a lot of action and activity taking place during the game. And we've done some Fitbit type of uh, tests on it. So people in, in our group, there's one guy, Bob, who's using Fitbit, and he compares it in tennis versus in uh, uh, pickleball, and it's, it shows a lot more activity over the course of a couple hours of playing. Well, thanks, Brad, for that comparison. And I think it's in line with what a lot of people say they love about playing. Lucia writes, I started playing pickleball a few months ago and absolutely love it. I also play tennis, but I find pickleball easier to play and easier to have fun with. What would you recommend to do if somebody wanted to start a pickleball league in their neighborhood? John Walters? First, have a pickleball court. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) once you have a pickleball court, you'll find people. Um, The hardest part is just to have the court show up before long, there's always going to be an alpha personality who will take command of like a sign-up sheet or something like that. Um, and by the way, I, I could not agree more with Rachel. I, I believe that pickleball will have more active players in tennis uh, within the next decade. Um, it, it's just so much more accessible. Everything your caller said about time spent actually playing in pickleball yeah. versus tennis with serves and everything – is 100% correct, and I think that's why pickleball will continue to grow and eventually have more participants than tennis. All right, then, Jordan, with all these participants coming in and participants currently playing, what is one piece of advice as a professional that you would give for people to up their pickleball game or enjoy their pickleball game? Well, besides watching our YouTube channel, Brianna's Pickleball, (laughs) learning learning a lot of tips there, um, I would just say go out there and have fun. And, um, you know, a lot, I, I coach a lot of people, people, some people are very serious about tournaments, but, and then there's some, some players that just like to do it for exercise. So go out there, have fun. It's, it's a really great game. And because of the, the atmosphere and the, the friendly players in most places, they will definitely, you know, just, just let you play and you can learn really fast. So just, just have fun and, and learn from others. Professional pickleball player Jordan Briones, writer Rachel Simon. Check out her forthcoming book, Pickleball for All, Everything But the Kitchen Sink. And John Walters, check out his Sports Illustrated article, Barbarians in the Kitchen, a recent cover story about pickleball. Another plug for Pickleball Wall has music on all social media platforms. You can stream them on YouTube and Spotify and hear them here. When I want to pickle down, there ain't no stopping me. Sometimes I get loud and got to keep it low key. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.